0: Whoever is listening to this podcast, I think you have to come and visit us. And more than ever, now, I mean, after the whole thing is going to be over, you have to come and visit us at the winery and visit the beautiful Alto Adige because you will be amazed.
1: Hello, wine fans. Welcome back to Grape Unfined Unfiltered, Today, we're speaking with Letizia Passini of Cotarenzio. We're going to learn a little bit about alt its history, and how Cotarenzio came to be. Alrighty, off we go. So, today, I'm happy to be speaking with Letizia Passini of Helleri Schreckbeekle. <laughs> or, as it is better known, at least in North America, Cantina coltorenzio Buongiorno, Letizia. Thanks for joining me. How are you?
0: Buongiorno, John. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, I'm very well, thank you. I hope uh, you're well, too, uh, in spite of this um, kind of weird situation we're facing uh, all over the world. And yes, I am responsible for the Caledaischreck Pichl also known as Cantina Colterenzio.
1: Oh, cool. Well, let's get into this. Uh, this is going to be mostly for people who might not be so familiar with Colterenzio in general. First question, why the two different names? <laughs>
0: Okay, that's a very interesting question. And I would like to introduce Colteranzio by stepping back a little bit into our past and our history. Perfect. So basically, Alto Adige is the wine region to which Colteranzio belongs. That's in the northeastern part of Italy, uh, bordering with Austria and Switzerland. So um, basically, Alto Adige is also called Suttirol. And that's a German name. And this is because this region has been for 700 years a German-speaking region. It yeah. only became part of Italy at the end of First World War in 1918. And that's why uh, we have a very important bond and we're tightly linked to um, German language. In fact, today um, we still have two different uh, languages. Even though we were only German speaking up until 1918, and we became only an Italian speaking region after 1918.
1: After, yeah, I, didn't, I never yeah. realized that it was only German speaking up till 1918. I thought it was yeah. always always both.
0: No, no. It was a uh, German-speaking. It was a German-speaking region, um, part of the Roman Sacred Empire of the German Nation for mm-hmm. seven hundred years, uh, including one hundred and fifty years of Austrian domination. So we were part of the Habsburg family from eighteen fifteen until the end of First World War, so until nineteen eighteen, and we only became part of Italy. So included into uh, the Italian kingdom uh, at first in 1918. And ever since then, there was a big debate if this region should really be integrated as part of Italy and being fully 100% Italian-speaking uh, region mm. uh, in spite of the very deeply rooted traditions of uh, the German language. So after so many fightings by the local people in the 50s and 60s of the 20th century, when uh, the Italian government wanted the, this region to be 100% Italian, finally, in 1972, the region became bilingual. So meaning that it got the recognition officially of bilingualism of both schools in German and in Italian, and allowing every person living there to either speak Italian or German in equal
1: ways. But most people speak both?
0: Yes, they have to. If you want to um, work uh, in Alto Adige, you have to speak both. First of all, it's compulsory if you're in a public office. So if you're talking to the public, let's say, Bank or, uh, all the post office and all these offices open to the public. You have to. (laughs) Yes, you have to be able to speak both languages and there is an exam and a certification you have to pass. In order to certify that you're capable of speaking fluently both languages, but even though this is not compulsory for the private businesses and private companies, most of the companies are requesting it anyway because they have to deal with you know both uh, languages, and it's a democratic way of allowing everybody to speak its own native mother mother tongue and native language.
1: Hmm. Well, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty- that's pretty nice. Almost like uh, Quebec in Canada, but...
0: Exactly. Mm. I was going to say, exactly. Very similar to Quebec.
1: Wow. So the Alto Adige in general, though, it's it's uh, known as a semi, semi-autonomous state? Is that correct. correct? Correct. Yes. So they kind of uh, set their own rules for the most part regarding a lot of economic things and... Absolutely.
0: Society. Yes, that's correct. And that's why it's considered to be also one of the wealthiest regions in Italy, Um, mainly because of the strictness of the German mentality, I would say.
1: (laughs) Definitely, yeah. It's a little more more conservative, more get down to business, you know.
0: Exactly. Let's get
1: this stuff done. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. cool. So did this semi-autonomous statehood... Have anything to do with Coltorencio being formed as a as a winery?
0: Um, yes and no. Um, I think there is a lot of history in Coltorencio and the way Coltorencio was formed. So has not been directly connected with the fact that it's a semi um, autonomous state but definitely has to do with the German-speaking community and the mentality and the history that is deeply rooted into this population and this region. This is in the sense that because of this very different heritage that Alto Adige is carrying around, everybody in Alto Adige is very careful about protecting this very unique, and different traditions from the rest of Italy. So everybody has been always fighting hard and still fighting today to maintaining this uniqueness. And the way Colterranze was formed was by putting together at the beginning, back in 1960, 28 local families, local wine growers that have had yeah, yeah. a small vineyard in their property, in their family, for many, many generations. Mm-hmm. So these are dating back to the fifteen hundred to even the fourteen hundred. And all these vineyards have been cultivated in the same family for so long. With such a passion, such a, an important way of keeping the tradition alive that it was really a shame to, you know, throw them away and not protect them. And in this, in this situation, uh, in this sense, uh, the autonomous province of Bolzano came into play because, um, after the b- bilingualism was recognized, Basically, these uh, farmers, small farmers, small families have been supported financially uh, by the local government in order to protect this uniqueness and this yeah. um, very old heritage. This is something that exists only in Alto Adige. It's called the Maso in Italian. Mm-hmm. And this is a way of supporting these small businesses that have been staying in the same family for at least three generations or more. So meaning that this can be called so, chiuso, meaning closed farm housing or farmhouse, simply and only if, uh, the business has been going from father to son or from father to daughter in direct line from one generation to the other. And this is a way of protecting these traditions and these small businesses.
1: That sounds pretty, that sounds cool. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it is very cool. And it's, uh, it's a way really of being real and of being unique at the same time. But as you might imagine, it's not easy to to support such a small business if you don't have any financial support from outside. And that's why the local government gave them support. And that's why Colterencio came into play as well. Because all these small growers uh, got together, each of them investing a little bit of money to hire a professional winemaker to build a wine cellar. And they started to produce wine as a winery, which they would have not been able and capable of doing by themselves because of the small vineyard they had. So, which was as small as one hectare or even less. So, you could never break even or you could never have enough money to hire a winemaker to do something in a professional way if you have such a small vineyard. Unless you're a negociant and you buy grapes everywhere else uh, but these people were very keen on maintaining their passion and their you know their traditions and they really wanted to keep as more as they were and the only way of being proud of their final product was to get together as a group and try to promote this by hiring somebody that was doing it professionally like uh, a winemaker, and being based as a winery. And that's how Colterancio started back in 1960, about 60 years ago. So Colterancio is technically a cooperative. That's what we call it here. But um I don't like to call it cooperative all the time because people sometimes get that bad image about the fact that a winery is a cooperative. But for us, it's um, a group of growers and of families. So it's like each of these families shares a bit of the ownership of Colterancio. Today, we have about 300 families. So after 1960 uh, and the original group of 28 growers, many more came into play, meaning that local growers asked us to join the original group so year after year we increased the surface of vineyards and we increased the number of families and wine growers in our group and today we have approximately just to make it easy i tell you 300 and 300 so 300 families and 300 hectares of vineyards, meaning that we are still respecting the same proportion of one hectare per growers, per family. So keeping the small property, and this is the most important um, value, valuable thing that we want yeah. to share with all consumers around
1: the world. Yeah, that is really cool. And then that answered my next question, actually, how many members? <laughs> three hundred <laughs> hectares. Wow yes. that's yeah, so that's pretty small holdings per per family actually uh, yeah, that's just like a like a, a field you know a small field yeah.
0: yes, yes, correct. most of these growers uh um have another activity next to it, so yeah. it's not their major activity, but it's one of their activity that have been doing it out of passion, out of attachment to the family um heritage lot of, of tradition, yes. Exactly.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. Yes. So let's see, as a, as a winery nowadays, as a how many wines are being made, more or less? I mean, there's different levels. and, and Yes,
0: we have about 34 different wines in our portfolio across four different tiers. Hmm. So um, we basically try to uh, work with um, the most um, important grape variety for our territory. So for us, it's really, really important to, to be attached to our soil, to our terroir. So that, you know, terroir is a mixture of everything of the way mm-hmm. you cultivated the soil, the type of soil, the climate you have, the traditions that you have in cultivating that type of grape and also the vine training. Everything is comes into play together here. And for us, it's important to represent all of this in every sip of our wine. So we have uh, different tiers, different quality levels, but the concept is always the same. To really be respectful of our territory, of our terroir, not only territory, but of, of our terroir. And at the same time, be respectful of the great variety we're trying to put in a mm-hmm. bottle of wine.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the website the other day, and I noticed there were a few, uh, looked like a few new wines that I hadn't seen previously. That's uh, so that's, that's pretty neat. Well, is there any any special projects or anything coming up for the future that are like super exciting?
0: Yes, I think so. We're always uh, trying to stimulate our um, followers and all the wine lovers of the world to get on board and get to know Colteranzio more and more and uh, try to, you know, kind of uh, find the next new stuff to try. And uh, this year, we're very excited about the release of uh, Pfeffer Pink. Mm. Do, are you familiar with this?
1: I saw it. Well, I, so, saw it on, I saw it on the website.
0: Yes. So we're very excited about Pfeffer Pink because Pfeffer, um, has always been one of the leading wine for Coltorencio. So has been, uh, in some part of the world, especially in the Eastern part of the world and in Italy and in Germany, in Russia, in all the Eastern countries of Europe, and now starting off also in the U.S., the Pfeffer has always been one of the most popular wines of Alto Adige, I must mm. say. So Pfeffer is uh, a unique style, a unique lifestyle, let's say. So has really become uh, this uh, new way of drinking wine in a way. And Pfeffer... It's actually very old because we released the first time in 1979. Oh. So we're about to celebrate this year the fortieth harvest of this wine. Oh. And Fasserer has this very unique packaging, but also a very strange name. So most known German people will try to you know pronounce it, try to understand this wine, try it means to pepper, right. It means peppery. Yeah, peppery. Peppery. Yes. So Pfeffer in German means pepper and Pfefferer means peppery. Mm-hmm. So something that reminds you of uh, black and green and pink pepper. And if you look at the label, in fact, uh, Pfeffer, the, the, the word Pfeffer is written in a sort of, um, um, baroque style with peppercorn coming mm-hmm. out of the name. So this was the original idea of Pfeffer simply because this is a wine made a special clone of Moscato Giallo, which is a dry gold misca, also called gold Muscatella in German, that is only grown in our region and that has a very spicy note of pepper in the aftertaste next to the most intense and most well known notes of muscat so this is an aromatic wine but with a spicy note and a dry finish very light on the palate and very lively that has become a sort of a trend for the joie de vivre of, mm-hmm. uh you know many people around the world
1: well uh, that's like me
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so no, we're the excited. Looks great. We're ex- yeah, we're excited to to show it to you guys as well. So I hope you will jump on board with this new project because after the big success of the Pfeffer White, we decided mm-hmm. to create uh, the same kind of project for a rosé wine, a rosé version of Pfeffer. So we have just released it um, maybe two, three weeks ago, if I'm not wrong. And this is going to be uh, like the typical light, pale, onion, skin, uh, rosé that should be drank nice, you know, fresh and young in summertime as a glue mm-hmm. glue wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> that sounds good, actually. Mm, bring on the summertime.
0: Yes, so it's, it's, we're very, very excited about this new project. So I'm sure that whenever you will get the chance of tasting it, which will be very soon, because I've just sent you some samples of those, uh, you'll love it. So I'm sure your customers will be happy to to enjoy it together with us.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure, and hopefully uh, by the time it you know summer rolls around, we'll be cleared up with all this. Uh, chaos in the world so we yeah. so people can actually enjoy it
0: exactly exactly that's what we need lightness exactly. so the other nice um, project which is not really super new but um this is going to be the fifth vintage but that we are about to release maybe in a month or so probably around april may is the lr LR 2016, so which will be the um, fifth vintage to be released. So are you familiar with LR, John?
1: Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the LR. What is it?
0: So LR is um, our super top cuvette that um, we came up with uh, some years ago out of um a super special wine that we wanted to create uh, for, as an homage to Louis Reifer. Oh, so the sparkling. A, it's not sparkling, actually. Uh, seems to be sparkling from the packaging, but it's actually yeah. not sparkling. It's a still wine, but made mm. of a blend. So it's a cuvee. It's a special cuvee of um, three grape varieties that are very important for Colteranzo, Which are Chardonnay, Pinot Blanc, or called Pinot Bianco in Italian, and Sauvignon Blanc. So basically these three grey variety are part of this special cuvette of LR. Dedicated to Luis Reifer, who was our director and one of the founder and leading character for Colteranzo and for building up what is today Colteranzo, and he retired in 2010. So, as an homage to all his work and all his being a, a leading character for Alto Adige quality um, viticulture and grape growing we decided to create a special wine. This is a wine that it's um, it's a Bianco Riserva, first of all, so meaning three years of aging before it can be released. And it's also a very elegant, maybe more an international profile of a white wine, but with, uh, again, a strong link to our terroir at the same time. And it's a very, very limited production. So we produce between 2,000 and 3,500 bottles, um, all numbered by hand. And every vintage is different, of course, and every vintage carries a different image uh, of a Bacchus portrait inside the clear glass bottle. It's um very unique packaging with this sunshine net metal net outside ooh, that stays yep. on the bottle even when it, it it goes into the ice bucket and it's uh pure emotion tasting this wine is really a unique uh experience i would say
1: Well, well that sounds uh, pretty nifty also it does look really like just interesting like ooh <laughs>
0: yes. We hope we can share it with, um, you know, whoever will be interested in. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, I think that kind of gets us up to speed on uh, kind of the background of Alto Adige and Cotarenzio in general. Mm -hmm. It's a nice intro for people who aren't really familiar with uh, Cotarenzio, and that's always a good thing.
0: Yes, I think, I think basically that, um, there will be tons of other things that I could talk about oh, regarding cultural, yeah. regarding Alto Adige, regarding getting the sense of viticulture in Alto Adige and the sense of our territory. But most of all, for whoever is listening to this podcast, I think you have to come and visit us and more than ever, Now, I mean, after the whole thing is going to be over, you have to come and visit us at the winery and visit the beautiful Alto Adige because you will be amazed by the Dolomites, the climate, the 300 days of sunshine we have, the blue sky that you can enjoy every day, and the the beauty of the snow in the mountains in winter and this incredible gastronomy we have in Alto Adige as being one of the for the number of population we have, the uh, highest region in Italy with the number of Mission Stars restaurant. So yeah. there are very many reasons for you to come and visit. So I uh, and I'll be there waiting for you. Oh, well, I like
1: uh, I like blue sky and I like gastronomy.
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's actually, only uh, <laughs> the, only,
1: the only time I've actually been to Alto Adige was a long time ago. I went up to Val Gardena, and oh, uh,
0: wow.
1: and it's it's it is it's it's super beautiful up there.
0: It is. It is. I'm so proud and happy to be part of it and to be here <laughs> whenever <Really>? I want. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, great. Well, Letizia, thanks again for joining me. And I hope everything uh, gets better over there soon.
0: Thank you, John, for inviting me today to speak about my beloved homeland. I wish you all the best as well and to see again each other very soon, meaning that everything will be over.
1: Sounds good. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay. Thanks.
1: well that was informative it is really beautiful there i want to go back sometime and spend some quality time thanks again to letizia thanks for listening and if you haven't already be sure to follow us on instagram at GrayPixwine. thanks see you next time